Welcome back to Clocks on the Stove. First things first, I want to give a special shout out. I just came back from the uh, Cheesy Born Orlando, Florida State versus Oklahoma. What a game. What a game. Check out TikTok if you want to know how we felt on that. And I want to give a special shout out to the man, the the, the kid sitting behind me, Mr. Ryland. Um, told him to, I'd give him a shout out on the pod. Awesome fan. Go Knowles, baby. Uh, fun fact, he said his name is Ryland because his dad's name is Ryan. His mom's name is Lynn, and they added the D to make it like his own thing. So, Ryland, you're the boy. Shout you out. Um, <clears throat> the second thing I want to say, it's about to be New Year's. We're about to be in 2023. So, 2002 babies will be 21, which is absolutely insane to think about. And I want to just go off real quick on a little inspiration. For the new year, guys, whatever your goal is, um, keep it simple with time because doing something a little bit every day is better than doing it a lot once a week, all right? You do something for 18 minutes a day, that's 100 hours a year. So consistency is key. Happy New Year. Let's dive into why we are here, and that is the college football playoffs, Mr. Zach Watts. We have number two, Michigan starting us off tomorrow against number three TCU in the first game at four o'clock on ESPN. And then following that uh, at eight o'clock, we have number one Georgia Bulldogs <clears throat> playing Ohio state. And number four Michigan TCU game is at the Fiesta bowl, Ohio state, Georgia, Chick-fil-A peach bowl. Let's go to our first game. We got TCU versus Michigan, Michigan coming in at a minus seven and a half. Zach, how are we feeling about, about this game? Mind you real quick, Michigan won the big 10, TCU uh, went 13-0. TCU lost in the Big 12 championship to Kansas State. And TCU head coach Sonny Dykes won Coach of the Year. Zach Watts, the floor is yours. Yes. Um, kind of predicted that coming just because of our last pod we talked about, um, I guess, our conference championships, excuse me. And I said that TCU would probably Drop that one, but I'm glad the committee made the right call by keeping them in instead of swapping them out for Bama because, you know, it's always good to have some fresh faces in the playoffs, give other teams a chance. Um, I do want to bring up Coach Sonny Dykes, uh, Mr. Coach of the Year's comments that he made earlier this week where he came out and said, um, we don't have the privilege of SEC schools getting to play FCS schools in week 11. Uh, rather, we are stuck in the middle of our conference schedule and that pissed off a lot of sec d riders um and obviously so but you know i gotta i gotta agree with them you know you know people were complaining saying like oh will you come and play in the sec and you know go ahead and play georgia and alabama i'm like dude you only play georgia or alabama depending on which side of the bracket you're on so not really that terrifying considering it's only one game and guess what one loss teams still make the playoffs anyway. And um, if you want to talk about how strong the SEC is this year, um, let's consider they are one in five and one in seven, counting the two teams that are going to be adding to the SEC in bowl games this year to non SEC schools. So, from what I'm seeing, it seems as if the SEC really isn't all that outside of their top dogs who are carrying the slack for the rest of these little bitches. Um, but that's my little tangent right there. Um, I'm kind of waiting for the SEC to kind of fall off a little bit. Obviously, whoever runs the ACC will most likely win it all. But then again, that's why we added the college football playoff, to give these other conference teams a chance so it's not the same teams every year. And TCU is our representative. Now, if you were to ask me in years past what I thought, um, and obviously it's not much different than this year, they're probably going to get beat by 
these stronger opponents just because Michigan is a recruiting powerhouse in the Big Ten. Um, them and Ohio State are going to go at it every year. With a program like TCU coming out of the Big 12, you know, the way I see it from a recruit's perspective is your dream when you come out as a child, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I've never heard a kid say, I want to play Big 12 football. Like, no, no one gives a shit. Like, I've never heard that in my life. You want to be like, oh, my God, I want to go work. I want to go play under Nick Saban or the Bear Bryants of the world. Like that, that's what you envision. Um, so that's kind of how I see it. However, I'm a huge underdog guy. I'm a huge Sonny Dykes guy. So I am going to be rooting um, for TCU in this one. However, this is one of those things where I'm going to stick with my gut and not my heart or technically my brain, but um, I'm going to have to ride with Michigan as hey, much as it hurts to say. The Michigan. plus seven, hey, minus seven right. to the five. You know, I'm not going to take I'm not going to take the minus seven and a half, though. I think TCU will keep it um, about a touchdown. I don't see eight, but seven. If you want to buy the point and put it at eight, all for that, I would take Michigan. Uh, TCU. Or I would take. Yeah, I would take TCU plus eight. Um, I would even take TCU plus seven and a half um, just because I feel like Michigan's one of those teams um, that tends to play down to other teams' levels for some reason. Um, and that's not to say that they aren't good enough to put TCU away, but I think that'd be a huge disrespect to what Sonny Dykes has done there in his first year for TCU. You know, they made it all the way undefeated up into that last loss for a reason. They're really solid. You know, their running back scored a touchdown, I think, every game this season. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a stud, number one. Max Dugan entered himself into the Heisman candidacy for a reason. You know, he's been playing lights out as well. Um, and their defense, you know, one of the things about the Big 12 we always say is if you're able to just produce a somewhat relevant defense, you can probably make it a long way. And I think Sonny Dykes has done exactly that. Um, so with that being said, I do think, though, it being his first year is too tough of a hill to climb. I think what Harbaugh has built up at Michigan has been long in the making. Um, he's What he's done there, especially from someone that enjoys watching Ohio State football, um, I have to give credit where credit's due. He has done an exceptional job with that program. So I do think this is one of those years where he's got to put an addy under his belt for what he's built. You know, you've got to reap what you've worked for. Um, you know, all the blood, sweat, and tears that get put into it. You've, it's got to show out somewhere, and I think it's going to have a national title berth this year. I don't know if they'll win it, but we'll get to that later. I um, So I want to piggyback off some of the things you said. First of all, I know you're making fun of the Big 12, but I feel like TCU right now is in a very good position because Texas and Oklahoma are gone, not next year, the year after, okay? They're gone. Bye-bye. TCU is going to run the Big 12. This is their conference now. Obviously, Kansas State's going to be pretty good. Um, I believe Cincinnati's coming in. They're going to be good. Like You're going to have other teams that are solid, but TCU is is the number one team. And it looks – it's so stupid because, like, Oklahoma and Texas are going to go to the SEC and just get mopped, completely ruin their dynasties. And TCU is going to run the Big 12. It's going to help Sonny Dykes in recruiting so much. And the other thing I want to point out, first of all, he he won Coach of the Year by a landslide, in my opinion. Like, there was no one else. If Hupel put Tennessee in the playoffs, I'd give it to him. But that blowout to South Carolina was bad. The other thing I want to mention, the, TCU, the ceiling is so high for them. Because, yeah, you're going to lose Dugan. You're going to lose a couple guys here and there. But it's so high for them in the aspect that Sonny Dykes is on his first season, Zach. He doesn't have a single guy on that team that he brought there. He's doing this all with Gary Patterson's guys, which is crazy to think about, you know? 
that's pure like good coaching. It's not like oh, Sonny Dykes got his perfect system, guys. Sonny Dykes is like getting better guys. He's doing it with someone else's. He's playing chess with someone else's board and winning games. You know what I mean? Like that is, yeah, that is just why I think he's such a great coach. I think it's going to help him recruiting. I think I think you're going to see TCU turn the corner. And this is a guy that I was shitting on going into the season. I didn't think he was going to do anything at TCU. Um, I said, I don't know why they fired Gary Patterson, but hey, you're not always right when you're a journalist. But the other thing I want to say here is I think this game is going to be a really close first half because you got to give it to the heart of TCU. These kids are playing for something because they're not supposed to be there. Um, but I think it's going to be similar to the Big 12 championship, and I think the run game and the the size and physicality of Michigan is just going to wear and tear on, on TCU. I think that they're going to just run it, run it, run it, slow the game down, make it boring, make it slow, and just out-physical them. They got bigger guys. Like you said, Harbaugh's been there for a minute building an empire. Sonny Dykes hasn't even put a stone on the, on the pyramid yet, you know? So it's a, it's going to be hard. Do I think TCU can't win? Absolutely not. When you have Duggan and you have a team that has this much heart and that is actually good at football, I'm tired of people saying they're not good at football. It, anything is possible, and I think they can win it. I really do. But I'm going to go with my gut and take Michigan minus seven and a half. I'd probably buy the half, take Michigan minus seven just to keep it safe. But um, I just think that they're, they've are they been there before. It's in their first dance. Harbaugh has been there before. It's not his first dance. Um, and the, I think the physicality is really what's going what's gonna to wear them down. Now, if it goes into a fast game, I, he's using favor. But I, I think they're, I think Michigan knows what they're doing there. That's that's all I really got to say on that. Yeah. Um, how I view the game specifically, like how I think it's going to play out, um, you know, I think Sonny Dykes is an offensive guru. Um, so I think the – plays he's going to have drawn up for that first half is really going to set the, the tone. The man that runs the offense is um is uh, Lincoln Riley's brother. Oh, um, something Riley. Soccer can't remember his name. Yeah, I've literally wrote a paper about him being the potential FAU head coach. Um, Garrett Riley. Garrett Riley. Yeah. yeah. Is it Garrett Riley? It's Garrett Riley. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, um. They're going to be really – I don't want to say they're going to be really hot off the gate because really that's going to be the deciding factor because if they come out first two drives and score right away, that sets the tone mm-hmm. because, you know, I'm not going to sit there and say uh, Harbaugh um, isn't quick to adjust because, you know, whether it be halftime adjustments or in-game adjustments, like he's a good leader of men. You know, those, guy, those guys go to war for him and he goes to war for his players. But I think like you said – um, one of Michigan's greatest strengths and one of TCU's biggest flaws or their kind of Achilles heel is that run um, defense. And I think, you know, despite Blake Corn being out, um, one of the things I talked about earlier is I think, what is it, Donovan Edwards? Is that his name? Yeah, Donovan Edwards. Um, I think he's just as good, to be honest, in my opinion. At least that Michigan front, that Michigan uh, offensive line blocks just as well uh, for him as they do Quorum. And he's just as able to see the holes that they provide for him. So for TCU, I think it's really going to be dependent on forcing J.J. McCarthy to beat you. And I think TCU is a really solid secondary that can compete with anyone in the country. You know, they make consistent plays on the ball. Forcing turnovers is a big part of their game, which helps them win late games um, throughout the year. So I think that's going to be a deciding factor. But, you know, as much as I want them to stop them, I do think it's almost a guarantee that Gus Edwards is going to have a touchdown in this game. Donovan. So anytime touchdowns – yeah, Donovan Edwards, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime touchdown score for him, 
um, I think is a right in. So put your money on that if you're going to. I would say um, another betting. Honestly, both give me both running backs. You know, if TCU's running back has had a touchdown all, every single game this season, why would that change? So give me both running backs anytime touchdown score. I'd be willing to throw money on that. Um, I think you're so right though. TCU has to hit him in the mouth early. They they're the, they're the mm. they're the smaller guy in the heavyweight boxing match. If they go in there and they let and they let the bigger guy use his weight around and, and bully him, it's going to not go well. They just hit him in the mouth a couple times. On top of that, they're not going to win this game coming back. If Michigan gets a 17 point lead, it's over. It's GG's. They're not. They, Michigan slows it down and plays at their tempo, and that's what they're really good at. TCU needs to keep it electric because TCU can spread out the field and move. That's what they're good at. That's what they've done all year. Michigan, that's not really their style of play. So if TCU can do anything like the most that they can in their power to make it their style of game, they're going to do well. That's why I think they have a shot at this. And Dugan's a dog, and I'm always going to freaking feel with dog. I love you, Caleb, and I want TCU to win, but I'm still going to take my uh, Michigan minus seven by the half. So, you know, Zach, you're taking TCU plus seven and a half? Yeah. I'm going to take the Michigan minus yeah, seven. Yeah, I don't know why. It's just No, it's not nothing wrong. I think that's a good pick. Dude, when it comes to these games, anything can happen. But yeah, let's move on to the, the main time, or what, primetime game. 8 p.m. on ESPN, number one, Georgia Bulldogs coming in at 13-0, SEC champions. Number four, Ohio State Buckeyes, 11-1, mm. losing their only game at home by a 22 against Michigan. Georgia comes in as a minus six favorite. Zach Watts, what do you got to say? Mind you, also, a, weird a, never, a college football playoff championship team has never went back-to-back. Yep. I have a very weird feeling about, about this. My gut, I don't know why. Because everything I've ever read, and even like looking at it on paper, like Georgia should win by 20. So why is that line only at, what is it, like six? six. Why is that? Yeah, you know, um, Ohio, one of Ohio State's star receiver um, in Jigba isn't playing. They're starting running back. Isn't you know, playing. isn't playing. I'm pretty sure they All these guys aren't playing. playing. Yeah, they have a few guys that aren't playing, and for some reason, it just seems like back in that 2014 year when Ohio State lost to Virginia Tech week two, um, you know, they were counted out. No one really liked them. And it was the first year of the college football playoff, and they go into the Big Ten Championship. JT Barrett gets hurt. They don't have their starting quarterback. JT like, oh, Barrett got Wisconsin's hurt gonna- before the Big Ten Championship. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. And yeah. then they're like, oh, Wisconsin's going to dog walk them up. Cardell Jones, 59 nothing on Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. 59 so nothing, sad. not 49. That was, that was so sad. Yeah. With them, they sneak them into the playoffs. Fans were pissed. They're like, all right, fine, sneak them in. Doesn't matter. They're going to play Alabama first round. They're going to get dog walked. Guess what happened? Ohio State upset Alabama. And then they're like, oh, well – by 14, and then and then when Oregon dog-walked Florida State that year, because I was pissed as fuck, so I was like, I was like, fuck, man, Oregon's going to get their first national title. It was like, this is going to be bullshit. Everyone had Oregon, like, written off, like, oh, Marcus Mariota's going to win the highest man in the ring. What fucking happened? Ohio State beat them by 14, whooped that ass, ended up being the first ever college football championship. All I'm saying is last time we thought Ohio State shouldn't have deserved to be in and counted them out round one, 
wasn't looking so good for the defending champs last time around. So I'm a huge naysayer. I'm also a big believer in history repeating itself unless you change things and people aren't changing their beliefs. They're not changing how they're following the script. Give me Ohio State money line. Trust. I believe you must believe it's going to be a Michigan Ohio State national championship rematch. The script writers know what they're doing. It can't go any other well, way. Well, I'll tell you what, the NCAA wants that to happen a hundred percent. Oh yeah, they're they're literally they're literally like blue bottle like next to the yeah. bed. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, but, uh, so I'm gonna go completely I like where you're going. I'm just gonna go completely against you, I think. So let's think. Let's compare that team to this team. Talent wise, very equal. Both extremely talented teams, right? That team, those guys, when their quarterback went down and all these things started happening, they believed. Urban Meyer led them, gave them hope, gave them belief. They had a lot of leaders. <laughs> they believe. This team, they don't fucking believe at all. And all the reports <laughs> I'm reading are like at the college football playoffs, I'm at the semifinals here, and the energy from Ohio State is the worst out of all four of these teams. And they just like all these guys are opting out, like, oh, you know, like they're basically saying we don't think we're gonna win. So why are we gonna even play? You know what I mean? And Ryan Day is not the guy to get them fired up. Top of that, CJ Stroud, or let's keep it real, Ryan Day haven't really won a big game. You know, I'll give Ryan Day the the playoff two years ago when they beat Clemson. That was pretty big. But besides that, they haven't really done shit, man. They haven't. They haven't won any big games. Um, CJ Stroud hasn't won any big games. Doesn't even have his best weapon. And what bothers me the most about all of this, Zach, is I said Alabama should have been put in because they would have given the run. It had been lit, yada, yada, yada. But Najigba, all these other Ohio State guys start bitching and complaining about how if they're in, they're going to show why they should have been there. Blah, blah, blah. And Najigba was like, if I played in the Michigan game, that wouldn't happen. All this shit. He's like, See on the playoffs, all these guys saying this, then they make the playoffs, and this motherfucker says he's not even gonna play. So you did all that shit talking for no fucking reason. Now listen, I am not against players opting out for your body and safety. I completely get that. But you don't opt out of the playoffs, dude. Like you 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 play to win a fucking natty. You know what I mean? And on top of that, yeah. you don't talk shit saying that if you were in the game or if you make the playoffs to come back, you're gonna prove your point. And then they give you they're like, all right, you're right, let's see it. And then you're like, nah, not even gonna play. Like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You know, yeah, I agree. And it is it is a weird scenario to be in because let's say Ohio State does pull off the upset. It's does not he like he can just yeah, change his mind and be like, yeah, 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 yeah. Can he, can he, like, can he even know. just be like, ah, he's like, I'm more healthier than I thought. Yeah. Like, no, fuck you, bro. Like, fuck you. Like, you yeah, aren't like, I would, like I would, just take it. I don't know I how I feel. Like, I agree. If, like, like, if you're a fan, if you're an Ohio State fan sitting there and you win, do you want him to retract his statement and be like, all right, I'm going to play in the natty? Because that just shows he's kind of a bitch. Yeah, it kind of shows he didn't fucking believe in you guys. Yeah. And I, honestly, he's going to lose-lose either way if they end up winning. Because if he doesn't play in the natty again, they're like, dude, we even gave you a fucking another week to get healthy and you still can't play. Or it's, oh, and now I'm healthy enough to play. And they're like, all right, fuck you, dude. Like, fuck you. But – Honestly, if they do win and Michigan wins, I think he has to come back because he literally was like, "Oh, if I would have played that Michigan, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we wouldn't have lost." Dude, it, like you, now you like, have to. What don't you think that would hurt his draft stock a little? Like like commitment issues. Um, you know, I would say yes, 
But then again, I look at the coaching. I look at the coaches that are in the league, like in the NFL, and I think at the end of the day, they don't give a fuck. Yeah. Like it's not like Bill Belichick. Yeah, I think you're like, right. Yeah. Like, I feel like it. Yeah, I feel like it'd be a problem to Bill Belichick, but like Doug Peterson would be like, "Shit, that guy runs like a four-two man. Fucking give me that yeah. guy. Like fuck it. What? What, like, even, what shit. even is a Buckeye? Yeah. What is a Wonderlick? I don't yeah. know. No, but we're I, gonna take him. I, I um, just think that um, you know, we saw the the struggles with the defenses against against a high-powered offense against Michigan, and we saw C.J. Stroud and the offense fail to produce against a solid defense. And this offense and defense of Georgia is better than Michigan's. So, and it's in Georgia. Yeah. So I just don't see, I mean, you're right. If there's a team in this playoff that I think could fucking come out of nowhere, I think it is Ohio state because like what you said, there's so much against them, but I don't see it this time around. I I'm taking Georgia minus six. I just don't, I don't see it. I think Georgia's Kirby. This is Kirby's smart. Fuck you. Prove it year. True. Um, one of the things you brought up about it being in Atlanta, you know, I've been seeing a lot of things, um on social media specifically twitter um that have said don't be surprised if um ohio state fans travel well like if they pack out atlanta and you know at first i was like you know it's kind of a joke because that's a home game uh for georgia essentially but the more i think about it is you got to look at the notoriety of college football you know i feel like georgia's really only been in like the limelight of like the upper echelon of college football, like in these recent years, like not just these past two, but like just not longstanding. Cause like, I feel like the SEC has always kind of been like Bear Bryant, Nick Saban. That's kind of been like the top dog over there. And then Les Miles for a little bit. The game. Yeah, exactly. The game, the rivalry has always been Michigan Ohio state. That has been the upper echelon of college football. That has been the Mecca. That has been when you that's the talk biggest, about old talk heads. About, yeah. When you talk about rivals, that's, that's what you think of. That's the first game you think of. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I feel like Ohio State truthfully has fans across the country. Bandwagon or not, I just feel like they've been at the top for so long that yeah, everyone's going to know what going to be like 75, 25 Georgia in there. You think? Dude, it's I in Atlanta. Yeah, but there's so much other shit to do in Atlanta. Exactly. Like, what the fuck no, is there to do no, in Ohio? No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I was just at the FSU-Oklahoma game. Oklahoma fans traveled great, but it was still like 80 to 20% Florida State. Yeah, but Oklahoma was 6-6. Six and six. It doesn't matter, <laughs> bro. I'm telling you, it's going to be a lot of Georgia. Nah, I, I'd i say it's going to be around 50 It'll be, It'll be fair. It'll be a fair fight. It'll be an any man's game, a toss-up in there. Um. They do, they do pretty well for the playoffs of keeping it 50-50, splitting the sections up for the most part, at least. Um, I got I to gotta think, because obviously yeah. we give our picks and our opinions. We'll obviously do a pod for the national title when that game gets made. Um, Shane Beamer went on an interview, I don't know, either yesterday or the day before, and said that all the players that told him they're opting out, or not opting out, that are transferring, he's not letting them dress out for the bowl game. And he's getting like 50-50 – feel on this some people are like what the hell like let them represent you like they want to stay with their brothers one more game blah blah blah. and some people are like nah they don't want to believe in you get them the fuck out of there how do you feel about this because mind you real quick florida state had like four to five kids that are transferring that dressed out and played yesterday um you know i think it varies from person to person but you know i feel like it's also a coaching philosophy like for Norvell Norvell and I look at the Florida State program like he's 
like take for example the guy that got injured late in the game in the fourth quarter. Every single person on Florida State side loud and said something. The entire, side the entire fucking that shows that shows brotherhood. That shows family. That shows like, hey, so long as you are a Seminole and you wear this uniform and you are a patch of honor, you are a Florida State Seminole, like mm-hmm. through and through. Whether you're transferring or not, that's what it is at the end of the day. What uh, what I'm how I'm vision is what Norvell preached to his guys is if you transfer, do what's best for yourself. But so long as you are at the University of Florida State or at Florida State University, excuse me. You will represent us, um, as you should. Which I fully respect. That on the other hand, I think Beamer is handling it extremely well because the way he sees it is he thinks that if you mentally already have moved on from your university to commit elsewhere, you are not fully committed to that program. That's at least how he views it. And look, you can argue philosophies all day of which is more beneficial to this player, which is more beneficial to the team. At the end of the day, he is the coach of that program. The AD has hired him, and he is there for a reason. And they're going to stick with his decision. And if they had a problem with it, they'd probably come out and release something as a school statement. But obviously, they trust what this man is doing. And I look, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Guess what? For recruits, if you see that and you like that, you say like, yeah, fuck that. If I don't want guys transferring there, I just want to stick to that program. Hey, you play for good femur. If you don't like that, guess what? Go to any other school that gave you an offer. Like, There's plenty of other options that are available to you, I'm sure. I'm sure where Coach Beamer coaches at, if you're getting an offer from him, that probably isn't your only offer as well. That's kind of how I see it. Um, you know, so it's just my, one of those situations my, where, like – My opinion on it is I feel like it's situational. So you look at it from Coach Norvell's yeah. standpoint. Coach, Coach Norvell, Norvell is no longer building a, an empire. He is, it's built. It's not as big as it's going to get, but it, it's built. 10-win season, okay? He's got, to, he's got it to where it needs to be. His pieces are there. You know what I mean? The guys that are transferring away from Norvell, they're not his best guys. They're the guys that couldn't play. They're the guys that weren't getting enough playing time. So to him, it's not like a fuck you, I'm leaving Florida State. It's a I want to play football again, and I'm not good enough to play on your team, but I still love all you guys. So he still loves them. But business-wise, it's like, you know, I can't can't play him. You know what I mean? So there's a love there. Versus with Beamer, he's in the process of building that empire. You know, he, he's still not at the level that Florida State's at. He's still in the process of building it. And he's losing his best guys to the transfer portal. He's not losing his backups. You know what I mean? So for him, it's like, yeah. fuck you. We're trying to build something here. You should want to be along for the ride. You know, and in reality, the guys are leaving because, like, his tight end, they come to Florida State, I want to win national title. Like, shit like that. When he's, like, trying to build that here. So I feel like the situation, uh, the, the, the situation of the problem or the, of – Situation itself of the transfer portal depends on the situation of the school and the team. You know, that's why I think for Norvell, it's more loving and caring versus Beamer is more like, we're trying to do something here. You're supposed to be a puzzle piece. You know, that's why I, I, I think they both took the right aspects and right approaches based on the situation they currently have with their team. Yeah. I kind of view it. Um, Cause like you said, same scenario. Look at Norvell two years ago when we benched Marvin Wilson, when we benched, what was it, Tamori and Terry, and fans were freaking the fuck out. They're like, they're our fucking best players. Why are you benching him? And Norvell came out and said, he goes, these guys are a cancer to the team in the locker room. They're not going to help me in building what I want to build here. I don't need them. I don't want them. Guess what? It fucking worked because now we have, what, 10-win season and God knows how long. We have 10-win like, season. Man, man we, get, put, we get no flags. And we have no kids getting in trouble outside of school. 
Yeah. He built, he Wish. brought culture. And this is what I told my dad last night when, when the game, when that injury happened and every single kid redshirted, not playing, no matter what, walked over and hugged that guy. I looked at my dad and I said, Norvell brought culture back to Florida State. He brought the family and culture. Taggart lost it. Jimbo lost it. It wasn't there. He brought it back. He made it a brotherhood. He made kids want to play for not Norvell, but for the university again. And that's what we were missing. And he brought that back. And I think that it that yeah. was so crucial. And I think that's why, as fans, we were okay with the two-year downfall because we knew he was cleaning house to rebuild with new blocks, and he did. Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, as much as I would have liked to see Dion as a four-state coach, um, this is the Norvell era. And I he, I, I don't know what would have to happen for us to even consider firing him because, honestly, this is his job till the day he dies at this yeah. point because – He's done everything right. He's done right by the university. He's done right by the players. I have yet to hear a single bad thing out of anyone's mouth about him. So um, kudos to him. And number thank you one for transfer State recruiting back. class. I think he's like the number 20th or 18th national recruiting class. He's, he's yeah, I saw like, I thought, yeah. Yeah, I saw like 19th or 18th last time I checked. And we're also the cheesiest, baby. We're the fucking yeah, cheesiest. And, and like when he was doing his post game speech and stuff. I was like, dude, he's such a great leader of men. Like, there's no, like I said, there's no discipline issues. There's none of it. That shit's all gone. That tagger brought that in. It's gone. It's all gone. And like, you look at him, and that's why I always talk about with Dion too. When if you want to see how good of a leader of men someone is, look how look how their kids are. That's the instant reflection of them. Norvell's kids are very well raised. They love him. Like his family's very loving. Like very together. Like that shows that his household's in order, and they have respect and discipline and and love. That's going to translate to the field. You know, look at Dion's kids. They're very well-spoken. They're very respectful, very mature. It's the same thing. So Norvell's a great leader of men, dude. And it shows that even the kids that are leaving still want to play their last game, or they did yesterday, with that family because it's such a good family tradition. Yeah, not only that, but players want to come back and finish their college degrees, play their last season for them. Like, they want to they want to continue to experience their college years. It's not like, oh, I want to leave early for the draft. And it's not to say those guys aren't good enough to like there's a lot of guys that could decide to just up and leave if they wanted but even jordan travis that was like fuck it coming back for one more year just because i can like they believe this is the first time in six years where we believe where florida state is like we deserve to be here you know yeah yeah i agree um you know i kind of wanted to just add on you brought up it being you know the holiday times we just got past christmas we're approaching New Year's. You brought up New Year's resolution in 18 minutes a day. I wanted to talk to you about ranking some of not our worst New Year's resolutions, but our most common like given up goals. Yeah. And I, I'll kind of, I'll kind of start us off here because I know exactly what my number one is, um, and it's all the people because this is going to start happening very soon. It's going to fucking piss me off because I just know it's going to last like a week or two. It's the people that decide to hit the gym mm-hmm. come New Year's time. They're like, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get right, I'm gonna get back in shape. No the fuck you're not, you fat fuck. Like get the fuck. You out. haven't been doing it the past thirty years, it's not gonna just start happening. Yeah. Th- this is this is what I hate the most about New Year's. People think that a date on the calendar just like suddenly like awakens something in you where you're like, I'm gonna change my life. Like, no. Like it's not like a it's not a fresh year on a calendar. It's not anything like it. It starts with you, first of all. Now, look, 
if that gives you some form of extra motivation to fucking go out there and do it and try to change it, kudos to you. I pray you stick to it. But let's be honest with ourselves, 90% of people are not doing that shit. So that's why it's my number one for me. Um, I'm interested to see what you have to say about your fucking Yeah, obviously worst. anything with that's like dieting or that's um, that's uh, working out or like going starting an MMA gym, like anything like that is going to be number one. I think another one that's like kind of slept on is going to church. You're a lot of people that are like, I'm going to, I'm going to bring God back into my life. I'm going to do this. I'm, and I know, I'm not trying to sound fucked up. I'm being serious though. Like a lot of people are like, I'm going to bring God back in my life. Like this, that, blah, blah, blah. And then they, they do, it's the same shit. They go like the first month they go and then they go for like two weeks the next month and then one month and then it's just gone and then they stop. I think that's another really yeah. big one too. Reading maybe. Yeah. Reading I think another thing that, I think. Yeah, I think another thing that pisses me off about that too is people that people that think going to church suddenly makes them a better person. Yeah, like, yeah, they make they think it makes them better than you. Yeah, like what? Like no, you're still the same piece of shit that you were. You're yeah. probably you probably left church. You probably left church to go yell at the dude that fucked up your food in the fast food line. You asshole! Like, yeah. like no, you're not fucking. Like you were you out shit. just as late as I was last night. The only difference was you got up and went to church for an hour. Like, it doesn't make you better than me. Yeah, exactly. Like, just because we both went to the gym doesn't mean you weren't hitting the same weights I was. Yeah, like, exactly. Fuck out of here, bro. Exactly. Yeah. Dude, that's a good analogy. Yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, Another thing I'm going to add is anyone trying to kick a habit like nicotine or jerking yeah, off. I think yeah, that's anyone too. Yeah, anyone that says like, oh my God, like, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna cut back on that shit. Like, no, you're not. Like, no, you're you not. Know what, me, you know what's another time that you see a big spike in that too is Lent. For Lent, everyone's like, I'm quitting yes. soda, I'm quitting this, yeah. quitting that. And then it goes oh, like quitting soda, I feel like quitting yeah. soda or alcohol is another big one too. You know, I'm actually surprised by this. Um, so I drink soda very moderately, only when I drink alcohol. It's like a mixture, but I've yeah. never drinking soda like straight up. I think I think I made the switch my freshman year of college where I was like, my diet's already shit enough. I should at least only be drinking water because like that's the one thing your body needs. Um, but I feel like the biggest thing. Um, with not only dieting, but like nicotine or anything along those lines is people think that there's a good time to do it. Like I was asking my brother and my cousin about this. I'm like, do you, got, do you guys ever think you'll quit nicotine? And they're like, uh, oh, once I finish college or like, oh, once I have a kid. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly, like, no, that's like, exactly how the mindset is, dude. People are like, once this happens, I'll be able to do this. Like I need that. I need this to happen before. And that's not how it works. Just fucking yeah, do it now. Like, yeah. Just do it right now. Yeah. You know? Exactly. I'm like, I'm like, dude, it's not like when school ends, like stress just alleviates for a certain exactly. point of time, which allows you to exactly. quit. Like, no, like, like for me, like I quit nicotine literally in the middle, like at the most random point, just because my roommate Ryan like said some shit to me. He was like, cause like, I remember I had like just finished like a pack of Zins. Cause like what happened was is I quit nicotine, moved or not quit nicotine, quit vaping, moved to Zins. And then finished like a pack of Zins. And then I was like, man, I should really stop. And Ryan like laughed at me. and was like, yeah, fucking right. So that like out of spite, I quit just to be like, fuck you. But like that was like what I needed. That was kind of like what That's I what needed. That's what Daner, kind my of buddy, like, our buddy Daner, uh, I quit nicotine when I signed my first fight. Because I was like, I'm not going to be a professional athlete and have a nicotine addiction. Like I'm not a fucking pussy like that. And yeah. I've been like two years now free and I just shit on Daner all the time. And I'm just like, yo, I'm better than you. Like you have nicotine addiction. And he got <laughs> so tired of it. He just quit nicotine because he wanted to prove yeah. that I'm not better than him. And I was like, yo, if I oh, inspire you dude. somehow, it doesn't matter. I still inspired you. Yeah. 
I, I completely agree. I think that's another thing is people think bullying doesn't work. I think bullying is the greatest thing. In well, life. if it's, I think if it's bullying, like, love, like, if it's love bullying. Nah, fuck dude, that. No, if, you can't, you if can't I wasn't like bullied, a huge fat kid beating the fuck out of a kid every day is good. Okay. Dude, bullying okay, is good to physical. an extent. To an extent. Okay. Okay, mental bullying, not physical, mental. Okay, think about freshman Zach Watts. Think about that kid. If that kid wasn't bullied, what would we have on our hands? We would have yeah. a problem. We would have a problem. We would have issues. So, we would have issues I, for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm also huge um, on starting the trend that Santa is an asshole. Um, I want my kids to hate Santa. For example, um, why did we elect to just like spend a fuck ton of money on our kids for other than they've been being good. Shouldn't they always be good? So what I'm going to do is, is if I get divorced, I'm not going to tell my kid about the divorce until Christmas. Oh and I'm going to say, Santa, I'm going to, I'm going to say Santa took your mother away. And then that way, <laughs> that oh way my, my kid just has a, gosh. <laughs> All right. We're in the pot. My kid just, we're in the pot. <laughs> Fox in the stove, college football playoffs. We're done. I can't Fuck you, Santa. 